But the way actually we were storing it is we weren't storing it as the value. We were storing it as the percent complete on a scale from zero to 255. Right. But as a... Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 266 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm a hideous monkey. I'm Sam, and I'm vacationing (laughs) again. This is a... This is a show where we talk about life, business, and vacation. Today is July 1th, 20 Blundy. Before we get started, we have a warning. We're going to swear. We'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We got a bunch of them. Good, as we should. Left us, who left us some, dare I say, dank messages. Mm, Here it. we go. I haven't heard of dank anything in a, quite some time. Things have gotten dank lately. How many dabs have, are they doing? Six dabs, two yeets, and one dank. I wow. think there's I'm a down. conversion rate. If you do some stoichiometry on it, you convert yeah, yeah, those you metrics. Can, you know, cancel can't, can't those units. Stoic those danks. <laughs> okay, so we got a message from David who says, "Thank you." It's like a is this sarcastic? Like a long thing. Oh, okay, it sounded sarcastic. I, it's kind of sarcastic. <laughs> He's like, "Thank you for making games." That are a brief escape from reality, even for non-hardcore gamer types like me. We got a note from Tim Conceivable who says, I figure I owe you all a coffee since I've spent thousands of hours playing Levelhead (laughs) and listening to the podcast. So I wanted to bring my contribution up from about one penny to two. Thanks for the many hours of entertainment and inspiration. You do it. It's doing God's work, Tim. It's great. That's right. Uh, We also got one from Igor Bulbus who says, Igor Bulbus, who says, Puff slap a hop longy here. Wanted to say, wanted to say thanks for answering my animation question in episode 264. I kept my rumpus name, by the way, after re-rolling a few times. I love that feature. It's a good one. It's a good feature. (laughs) It is, yeah. Yeah, and of course we have a bunch of recurring supporters who we'd like to thank as well. People may not say, remember, but when we first released the random namer, that was your only option. Do you remember this? You just mm-hmm. you just got a random name. You couldn't re-roll it, and no, you could re-roll you it. You were allowed to re-roll it, but you weren't allowed to make your own name. Mm, yeah, so mm-hmm. you just and I think we we had, a, we had like a twenty four hour cooldown timer on the re-roll, so that was the only way you got named. But uh, but we had some violent responses to that <laughs> feature, so. You know, if we hadn't, if we just hadn't checked Twitter, we would we wouldn't have known. That's true. That's true. And it would have been fine. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> life. For starters, we need to talk about the three body problem. What of about cats. Of oh, cats. Talking about the the trilogy, which is very good, but but unrelated. Uh, unrelated. Three three body problem of cats. So here's the deal: we have an old cat. Her name's okay. Yeah. She's not that new, but we ran out, ran out of name ideas, and then it kind of stuck. Um, she was new. She was new. When when we she got was her. New. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've had her for like eleven years. I want to say. I think she's she's about twelve. So she's she's a decently old cat. Her her buddy died a couple years ago. Our other cat, and so she's just been alone, alone kitty, you know, for a while. And she seems to be largely uh, doesn't give a shit about that fact. But we still kind of felt bad. We were like, she needs a buddy, so that when we're like. If we have to go somewhere, whatever, there's, you know, there's another creature. Creature. So we went and got our cat, which we've already talked about more recently. We got a kitten a few months ago uh, named Ori after, you know, Ori uh, in the blind forest. And that little fucker is a maniac. So he, <laughs> he was, he was like six months old when we got him um, and has, has infinite energy. 
Um, he's a super nice cat, but he has infinite energy and he wants to play with new cat and she is not interested in the slightest. And so our house has been filled with growling and cat screaming and you know, all that. Stuff now for, <laughs> so you were like, new cat's month. sad. We need to, let's solve this problem. Get an energetic whippersnapper in here. New cat's yeah. actually that person who's like, get off of my lawn. Yes. New cat is sort of a Ron Swanson of cats. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kind of a not thing. pleased. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've been trying to figure out, we've been like doing separations. So we've been trying all kinds of stuff to get them, get them to chill. Uh, and it's gotten like, it's been slowly, very slowly just kind of getting a little more manageable, but it's still just a general problem. So, the recurring thing though, every time we Google around for this again, when we get fed up, we're like, there has to be a fucking way to solve this, right? The recurring solution is that if you have a little young asshole cat that won't quit bothering an old cat that doesn't want to do anything, you just get another one. You get another young asshole cat. Which, uh-huh. So so my wife has been has, – has brought this to my attention. This is like the standard approach. Like mm-hmm. literally I think two months ago at this point. And I was like, this seems – this seems like we're getting ourselves yeah. into a deeper hole, you know, because it seems exactly. you're in a pickle now. Yeah. Yeah. Because if that doesn't work, it seems to me that things are now literally twice as bad. You know, yeah, this is yeah. literally a uh, two wrongs making a right situation. Yeah. Sort of, and, you know, and so so I've been very resistant to this idea, um, but it's become increasingly clear that they're like the, the solutions that we've been working on are just not they're just not going to do it. And the other, otherwise our only fallback is just to wait until this fucking kitten is old enough that he doesn't want to play so much anymore, which takes years. So, you yep. know, that's, that's not that. It may never fallback. happen. It may never happen. So, uh, so now we are beginning the process of trying to find a, uh, a new kitten with the, and again, everybody we've talked to everywhere on the internet says most of the time, this is the exact mm. right and only move. In fact, they've available. And most of the time it works out great because the cats would rather harass other cats who also want to be harassed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if given a choice between a cat that's going to growl at them and slap them in the face and one that's going to play back, that they're going to choose that. So Flat. this is the theory. Yeah. This is the theory. But so far, Ori does not seem to give a shit that new cat punches him in the face and growls <laughs> <laughs> so he seems to be completely unfazed. Uh, the other option is that second cat – or I guess third cat comes in. Yeah. You call them third cat at this point. You say uh, third cat comes in and sees Ori also just going at new cat yep. and then just decides like this, this, is, this, this is, is what playing is, I guess. This mm-hmm. is how things are done in this it's house. the culture of the house. Yes, I must partake. <laughs> be a good I guess. will also harass this old cat. So, so I'm very uh, – so yeah, we, we, this seems to be our only move. But of course, once you adopt a pet, like – this is your You're problem now. now. So, yeah. so if we adopt a, a, yet another one, and then that turns into a problem, a bigger problem, then uh, at that point, I think we just have to basically start changing our house. You know, like adding some doors, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and then so that we could keep things like just everybody separate. Because the other thing too is like, what if the two kittens don't get along? Now we have yeah. now yep. it's even worse We're- than twice as bad. Now it's combinatorially worse because now it's. A, <laughs> Three by two, now it's six times as bad. So be careful. Anyway. Yeah, solving your cat problem with more cat problems. Maybe you know, I don't know. I don't know about this. Yeah, the thing is like it's, it's apparently the yeah, it's apparently the only viable solution, but the the costs of it not working out. The costs high. of the edge case are very it high. It sounds to me like a conspiracy by uh pet shelters. By big yeah. cat. Yeah, big yeah, cat is big coming cat. in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Trying but to I get you say, to adopt more cats. Uh, having looked at a bunch of pictures of kittens. <laughs> um 
I'm very excited I mean, about having another kitten. In the I house. mean, there there are worse things to choose to ruin your life with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and like extra and cats. Sure. We're in quarantine. Like, I'm going to be in my house for the next year and a half or whatever. So we've got a we got a whole bunch of time to to figure out how to resolve this shit. That's pretty mm-hmm. optimistic, Adam. Based on current trends, that's true. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, okay, so you're gonna you're gonna do a you're gonna do an old woman who swallowed a fly. Yep. Move. We are. And you're just gonna keep. You're just gonna keep bringing in invasive species. Just keep adding cats yeah. until <laughs> they all get along. I'm sure, it's gonna work out just fine. Till eventually, you have so many cats that they can't even find each other <laughs> yeah. in in the pile, and uh, uh, and then everything works out. Yep. All right. Now I now I need to talk about I need to talk about laser towers. What is because this? it's you before because, the podcast started, and I was like, what? Okay, Corsair. I don't know. Unveiled. What's Corsair? Corsair, the company that makes uh, my glowing keyboard. They make, they make RAM and uh, co- cooling elements. Mm. And so it's a laser supplies. A laser computer tower. Yeah, they're all no, about yeah. PCs, okay. custom PCs. Got it. If you're if you're one of those like build your own PC fools like myself, um, you got to have a couple of Corsair peripherals floating mm. around. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a uh, mouse and a keyboard, correct? It could be anything. They got like headsets or, mm-hmm. cool. you know, anything that plugs in your computer, I think is a peripheral, right? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Because uh, it's on the periphery of the thing. Yep, yep. Uh, so Corsair's got these new things called, it's called the, let me get the full name, the IQ LT1, I-C-U-E, the IQ LT100 Smart Lighting Tower. So it's literally, it's, it sits on your desk like a speaker, but it's just a tower of, 90 LEDs. <laughs> okay. okay. It I mean, there. the gamer in me is already purchasing You're like, this, this It must, this must make money. Where I can press the button. To get. <laughs> okay. So what you do is you get two of these towers. You put them two to of the them. side. Yeah, you get two of them. You put them side you by side. You need symmetry. You know, you got to have that symmetry. Mm, okay. You got to have symmetry. Um, and you can either point them, you know, toward yourself if you really want to kind of just burn your retinas off. Okay. Uh, or you can go ahead and point them back toward the wall and they can, they can hook up to your, your GPU, basically your graphics card, and they can process what's happening on your monitor and create bias lighting behind. So, mm. so it creates like a, just a fucking cool ambiance. Uh, and you can put a little thing on there and turn it into a little headphone stand so you can rack your headphones on there. So, I'm gonna get. I, I mean, I gotta. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna yeah. get, get your laser tower. It's a pandemic. You gotta make your home the thing into a is, circus. Yeah, I'm gonna be stuck in this house for 16 years, <laughs> and, and you know, I'm gonna treat myself. So some some people end up sort of creating a ball pit of cats, uh, and I'm gonna make a ball sort pit of, of do, LEDs. I'm just gonna blind the whole neighborhood with my. Giant laser. Yeah, this towers. actually be helpful because then when Christmas comes around, and you need to light up your house. You just are already ready to go. I am already ready. Yeah, I already did. <laughs> I mean, I already have a giant LED strip. I can't believe how cheap LED strips are. For like twenty bucks, you can get like a ten meter long LED strip, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, and it'll have like a little you know control thing on It'll come with double sided tape, and so we have we already have one in our living room because it's kind of dark in our living room, and we were like, what can we do to you know, just give, give, give a better better mood to this room. So we got a 10-meter long LED strip and just ran it along the, the runners on the floor around the edge of the room. And now there's just like – the room is just kind of slowly shifting hues, 
you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I remember oh. growing up as as kids, we were always like, especially as young kids, we wanted to have our bedrooms have like lava lamps and like glow oh, stickers on the, the ceiling and like and like those balls that shoot like pink light and like all this shit, yep. right? And we were just like we were all into having that kind of stuff. And then for some reason, as we got into adulthood, we were like, you know, what kind of a bedroom we want is we want to get some nice. Beige walls. No, we want to get. Uh, no, beige is too much of a stance. Go with taupe. To get, to get some taupe. <laughs> and we want to get some some bedside lamps that are pretty dim because we don't want to get our eyes well in there. Uh, shifting no. towards red, but like not actually red because that would be ridiculous. that's too much. That's uh, yes. too much so, personality. Yeah, so you just have you just have like your bedroom is now kind of the, the dark, quiet, uh, boring room for you to be bored enough that you fall asleep, right? Uh, versus what it used to be. Like when we were kids, you're just like, yeah, this is like, this is the place you go to and you're like, you, you read in there and you got like stars shooting on the ceiling and all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's what yeah. we need to get that's back to. That's what you need. It's a fucking Why the hell lamps. not? Dude, yeah, I, so this, so the only point of these things is to glow. I they love hook it. up to your computer and then they glow. And I'm getting them. Get them. So. I think yeah, as far as the time to enjoy a, a, a zany, you know, purchase that literally adds vibrancy to your life, now is the uh-huh. time. So you get – and then I expect, Always I expect a one-star review uh, after you get it working. So we need to figure out. Yes. Speak, uh, speaking of one-star, I, I did try to find some reviews, but they're so new that I couldn't find any. But I'm expecting to see some great one-star reviews. <laughs> uh, we, uh, a bunch of members of our, of our uh, Discord community were inventing their own one-star reviews in response to our discussion on the podcast a little while back about how one-star reviews are almost always incoherently stupid and rarely <laughs> about – they're rarely about the actual thing. There's that, something around the thing, around the experience mm-hmm. of the thing that has nothing to do yeah. with the product. Yeah. Uh, so we got some great ones here. We're going to we're gonna read some snippets of our community's invented one-star reviews. Yes, so Bam182 says, bought some cashews but I ate too many. Gave me chap lips. One-star. One <laughs> Tom, Ronan Game Dev, says, uh, bought a new board game to play with my friends. Played seven times. We had fun, but I didn't win. <laughs> that was excellent. Very good. Yeah. Yep. That feels fun. Uh, <laughs> and then the last one's from Kevin, who says, uh, built one of those Labo kits with my sister. Now she won't let me play it. One star. Mm-hmm. Yep. Classic. How come they didn't control for that? You know? What's that about? Yep. Clearly a defective product. Yep. If your sister can just use it. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and also, we need to talk about, before we talk about studio news, we need to talk about a little game called Monster Train. Well, I'll give it, I'll give it a one-star review. Which is because you've been playing it a lot, probably yeah. too much. Yeah, I'll say Monster Train. Uh, <laughs> played it for like you know fifteen hours over the course of two days. It was so fun that my peoples were super dilated afterwards, as if I was on drugs and I couldn't see your peoples. Well. Your peoples one were dilated. My pe- my my peoples. Yeah, they were dilated. Peoples. So yeah, one star. Yeah, one star. I can't see after I play this game because I'm having such a good time that my brain's just overridden with dopamine. You know, it's too much. I can't deal with it. Um, Had too good of a time. One star. So yeah, Monster Train. Uh, I do want to talk about it. It's, this game came out on Steam a little while ago. It's an early access. And if you like games like Slay the Spire, which we've talked about a little bit in the podcast, um, these which deck, you do, yeah, these deck building roguelike uh, experiences. It's it's that sort of an experience, uh, a different one. You know, thankfully it's not just a clone or something like that. Uh, but they do a bunch of things differently, and uh, by God, it is a good time. So if you if you're looking for something to do. Uh, I think it's on sale still for the summer sale. Probably will be actually still through the the next podcast coming out. So 
uh, check it out because it's very fun. And uh, just be just be prepared. It's one of those games uh, where when you start playing it, it will suddenly shift 12 hours in time. So just be be aware. It's one of those. Yeah. Now, fortunately, we're taking a four day weekend for Fourth of July. Um, so I'm I'm going to be using, I think, all probably all four days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can be careful. This way. You got to know when Check to start one of these. Out. Yeah. Because if you start it tonight, yeah, that's what you're doing for vacation now. So, you know, be careful. Yeah. I may actually start it on like the, the last day of vacation mm-hmm. just just to put a hard cap on the thing. Yep. Um, yeah. And actually, so it's, I mean, it's weird because it's a, it, it does to me kind of speak to the importance of getting a diversity of experience because Sam, you hadn't played this game. It's a card, it's a card game roguelike mm-hmm. monster battley thing. Yes. And, and all of a sudden, it forced us to rethink a bunch of things about the the Crashlands Two crafting system that we are conceiving yeah. of. Yeah, right. Because because just and it and it's actually has nothing really like at the end of the day it has nothing to do with Monster Train, but but just some of the aspects of deck building and stuff ended up mm-hmm. just sort Creeping of sparking in. sparking some inspiration of of how to think about crafting. Yeah. Um, so it's just you know you always gotta. Just break, let the chaos in. You know? Absolutely, do, and I think do some new things. You know, I, like as we're in pre-production, basically uh, on the design side for Crashlands Two right now, I, I honestly think that one of the best things you can do if you're if you're actively designing something um, is to in your evenings be playing just to be playing other things, uh, you know, or in your off time um, to be purposely moving. If you normally read a bunch or normally uh, you know play music or whatever, uh, take some time to actually just do gaming while you're doing it because it starts like, again, this whole cross pollination thing is, is really where a lot of the magic is for having these uh, design breakthroughs that can really end up making, making new systems and, and helping you solve problems in good ways, which is basically what happens. So. Well, yeah. Creativity is just blending things. So always blending, you know? So you just need, just need more, more things in your blender. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we've been working on in the studio for this past, uh, past week is we're still in the midst of, as we've come to call it, as of right now, tech, <laughs> tech debt burned down rodeo circus. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're still in the process of porting rumpus into Crashlands, um, which is going to open up a whole bunch of great avenues. Like if we wanted to, we could then have crashlands on the Xbox. We, you know, we haven't just say we haven't even gone down that road, but, but this opens up the possibility for us to easily port it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it brings all of the Crashlands perks into Rumpus. It basically just hooks everything up to all of our new web tech. So we can burn down Bscotch ID and be done with it. And there's been some really f- fun and stupid lessons that have come out of seeing the code that we wrote, I guess now. Anywhere between – that game started in 2013. So my, uh, start. My code editor has a nice tool called Git Blame. Uh, Git being the thing that's storing versioning information of the code that's been written, and then blame being like who's responsible for this, right? Yeah. Um, where every line <laughs> of code, I can just hover over it, and it'll tell me when the last time it was it was edited and by whom, right? And of course, for my code, it's, it's always me. But but uh, I was I had something open uh, yesterday, and I was like, what is this doing? And I hovered over it, and it was like uh, last edited five years ago. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, so that's some old. We got some oldies in there. Yeah. So back in the day, we had a couple of philosophies for Bscotch ID, Mm -hmm. which which, uh, at the outset, they sound 
reasonable. They sound good. They, the well, they, they were born of sort of a partial understanding of how a whole bunch of things work. Yeah. And now that we have a slightly better understanding. Slightly less say, partial or more partial? Less par- more complete. More complete. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not complete, but more complete. Um, so, so I think the two core ones that I want to just like hit on as being stupid uh, examples of what we did. One was the idea of security through aggressive obfuscation. By that I mean uh, nothing in Bscotch ID, like none of the data, none of the files it generates, not, like none of the output or inputs are human readable. Mm-hmm. E- everything is scrambled, encrypted, encoded, flipped around. You know, it's funny. Salted. I, re- I remember when this when we were doing this uh, because I remember how much glee both of you had when you were coming up with these mechanisms because it was hilarious because you were like, oh yeah, it was very fun. <laughs> we're like, like, we're like nobody's gonna it, get. You're gonna add this to it. Flip it, turn it upside down, shake it up in a in a, in a jar. <laughs> add the, all of yeah, it. Right? The idea was the only way you could figure out how to generate like Crashlands data would be if you got a hold of the source code and then read what the code was doing. Because yeah, except people can already do that, you know, because it's can. a game maker game. Yeah, and yep. there's shit out there you can use to de- to deconstruct it. So like, but at the time we didn't out, we didn't know that we didn't know that. <laughs> so what ends up happening then? Is as we are porting data to Crashlands, we got we we to find that data. Got to find that data, figure out what it is, uh, and we got to turn it back into something we can understand and then convert it into mm-hmm. Rumpus compatible data. And it's been a nightmare because can, we can't read it. You guys did a very good job. You're very thorough with your obfuscation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so so that's that's been uh, an interesting bummer. But I think it just comes down to like. Maybe, maybe things being human readable isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can probably secure things through other means um, as much as, as opposed things can to, as be a, secured. Yeah, as opposed to just making them completely incoherent. Well, this is actually this is one of the things that you see in uh, in computer security stuff is is that you should never be using obscure. So security through obscurity through obscurity, meaning just like you just you fuck with the things so that it's hard to figure out what's going on. That that's mm-hmm. your security process, right? And any any good security person will tell you this is the worst way to do it. However, being now on the other side of having done it to ourselves, I got to say, pretty fucking effective. It worked, <laughs> it worked pretty good. It worked pretty well, good. That's, but that's the key. Because we can't get in there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all about incentives and how high incentives are, right? And this, this is where the question comes in. Because if, you, if you're like – if you're managing you know, bank infrastructure, right. then yeah, the obscurity is way too ineffective because people have very high incentive to, to break into that shit. If you have a uh, indie, you know, single player game that it doesn't even matter if somebody cheats anyway, uh, and so on, maybe it doesn't matter so much. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Why so, so, the, so the incentive is now really low. So if you combine a low incentive with security through obscurity, pretty fucking effective. <laughs> yeah. So, but so terrible other, for your future self. Yes. So the other thing that I just want to quickly uh, touch on is this this uh, idea we had about server load because we were like. Hey, you're going to store – we got perks, we got achievements, we got stats, we got all these All things. sorts of data. Just All sorts around. of data. And we want to make sure that it's really, really small so that we hardly have to pay anything for storing and moving that data around. And so we made it as small as possible, which is one byte. <laughs> so, so any of your like stats or whatever in Crashlands that are stored – are stored in a byte. Each stat is one byte. Many of them, all of your, all of your perks. The problem with a byte, 
Yeah, all of your perks. Yeah. So the problem with a bite is that it only goes up to two fifty five. So it's a, it's a, two, so a bite is actually just for people who aren't familiar, right? It's a it's a number actually that goes from zero. It's to made up of right? it, it's a binary number made up yeah. out of eight bits, meaning eight zeros or ones in combination. And as far as how how big that can end up getting, it's it, it has two hundred fifty five. Yeah, There's 256 possible 56. values. Yeah, possible well, you start values. at zero because you're a programmer. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So you go zero to 255. Those are your those are your options. And the problem with with this is in Crashlands we have perks that go very high, like build ten thousand floors or whatever. Right. So how do you convert that into two fifty six? So Crashlands has this. Extremely elaborate system of like <laughs> of of basically chunking these things up into intervals, so that for example, if something has a goal of ten thousand, then we actually break it up into one hundred mini goals of one hundred, and we track each mini goal and then like layer them out and send them in chunks, and um, and this was all because we wanted to store. One because if we did two bytes, we could go all the way up to sixty five thousand, <laughs> right? Like we can't do, which still wasn't enough for though. everything. Because then we have still like, wasn't enough. But hey, we could do we could do uh, four bytes and go up to two billion, and now we're pretty much square. But the way right? the way actually so, we we're storing it is we weren't storing it as the value; we were storing it as the percent complete on a scale from zero to two fifty five, right? But as, yeah. but as <laughs> <laughs> you use it as as percent complete. So it's so that, funny because it's like even it's things like, that are like out of just out of one. Because a lot of things are just like true or false, right? But the true or false is now it just becomes two fifty five the moment you actually do it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that's how we store a true, right? Um, and that's also why we did. So on the one hand, we didn't have to compute all those bars that you see when if you open up the old B D landing page because uh, all those bars it's just it's just we just make it effectively two fifty five long is you know in effect right, and then you. You just put the you just put the bar because it's already in percentage. It's already ready this, to go. This feels like a really good example of really intensely doing something very incorrectly. You know? Yeah. Well, this is this is like the uh, this is like the Dunning Kruger curve combined with premature optimization. Oh yeah, right. Which is like we we really we decided like we're only going to store one byte per. We per, also didn't per know person. how much web how much web resources cost. Because, because I will yeah. say, the result of all of this stuff is that across all of our games, um, at peak, like uh, the week of Crashlands launch, when we had like was it two hundred thousand people or three hundred thousand people buy the game or something and play it, mm-hmm. um, our peak month, our our server costs were eighty bucks. <laughs> right? I mean, it worked, and it's been like twenty bucks a month ever since. But here's the hilarious part. The hilarious part is, is nowadays, like, so we we've talked with our level head players about the fact that the average level size and level head is only a couple of kilobytes, right? Um, and we're, we're able to compress it and we can send it to the server like as pure binary and it's just very slick and good. But with Crashlands, we didn't know how to do that. And so mm-hmm. your saves in Crashlands are, are sent in this basically exploded format that's actually dramatically bigger than your save is. And those <laughs> saves... Those saves are probably the size of like thirty level head levels. Yeah, okay. I, think, I think on average, if you if you played for like a few hours, I think you have like a ten kilobyte. Yeah. So like over so, so over here on one side, we're like, oh yeah, one byte per perk, one byte per perk, and then your save is like the equivalent of a hundred thousand perks. <laughs> 
And right. so we built all we built all these systems to keep those perks at one byte. And then when we needed to upload your save, we're just like, I don't know, fuck it. And we I just don't know. Send 100, Make 000. it a hundred times bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Make it a hundred thousand times bigger. Yeah, uh, we just we yeah. just knew too little about a handful of things. But um, here's the thing: to be I mean, to it. it it all worked and it all still works. It's yes. just vaguely incoherent, and now we have to, you know. Well, the save files themselves are really cleverly put together. Actually, um, like if you get into the guts of how they're assembled mm-hmm. and stuff, um, except that they're also unnecessarily split into three files uh, that we then have to keep stitching back together, and then like. Each one of those sort of subfiles that we need like additional checks on to make sure that nothing has been corrupted and stuff. We also have a backup yeah, system call it. that in the backup system, every time you make a save, a backup gets made. And then then if you load a save and it fails, it tries to use the backup. But there's nothing preventing, apparently, uh, there's nothing preventing a corrupted <laughs> save from being then backed saved up. as a backup. <laughs> so so we, we've had like one or two cases. Now, this is pretty rare because, you know, we've had – Millions of people play Crash Hands by now, but um, we've had a couple of scenarios where people got a corrupted save because, like, I think somehow, like, in the exact moment the game was saving, their battery died or something on their laptop mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and then somehow the game, the game managed to fuck up a save and also back up a broken save. So then when they tried to open the game – it can't load the save, it's and then the backup is the backup is also corrupted. So, so we just well, so this yeah. is why we call it this the, a rodeo circus because it's like there's just a lot. We're trying yeah. to wrangle things, but there's it's yeah, we're basically clouds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been very interesting. <laughs> it's been it's been super fun though. I, I mean, I think this is basically what our July is going to be: um, is going through all the old games, trying to get Rumpus in there. Ripping B Scotch ID out, you know, doing all this stuff. But we're learning a lot. Um, and the core lesson I want to just sort of bring to our podcast listeners is be kind to your future self. Future you is a collaborator on every product project that you work on. And if you say to yourself as you're building something like, well, I don't really need to write out a full name for this variable because I know what it means right, right now. That's only yeah. Always append for now <laughs> at the at the end of all those statements because you just five years from now you're not going to remember. Um, and so actually, so much of my work in in getting crashlands up to speed has been in renaming things. Like basically, I'll see something and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" And then I have to spend 20 minutes sort of weaving my way through the code to see what that thing is doing, and then I can rename it something that's actually. You know that Correct. somebody could see and right. know what it's it's doing. So uh, it's just always a always a good thing to know. Whenever you're setting something up, just take the time to to ask like if somebody else came in uh, and needed to just pick up and go with this thing, could they could they do it? Because that's going to be you later. Mm-hmm. So yep. uh, okay, so I think that's all we wanted to talk about for for studio news. It's been a fun it's been a fun week. Um, actually, no, there's one there's one final thing which is kind of an interesting uh, production note that we've. That we've seen, uh, which is that we've gotten this weird advantage of being able to do some parallel processing right now because yeah. because right now – so we basically have – we have Sam as the art and design team and marketing, right? Uh, we've got uh, Sampada on business, Sure on deployments, Jordan on QA. Uh, I do game programming. Adam does web programming, right? And we had this kind of – 
issue as we were nearing the end of level head production, which was this like uh, this this growing and shrinking needs of different divisions mm-hmm. of the studio. Because, for example, leading up to launch, a lot of marketing needs to happen. Um, and right now we're in this weird tech debt burn down rodeo circus, which is very heavy on the programming side, but has absolutely no art needs. Mm-hmm. Just more design right? needs because I can't I can't help you solve past yeah. use problems. No one can. <laughs> yeah, and so so we kind of had this conundrum that I think a lot of game studios have, and what they what the really big studios do in this time is they just fire people, right? They're like, well, we don't need the entire art team for now, so get out of here. And then they'll rehire them in six months or whatever. And so- and This is also why you see uh, like uh, art houses have actually risen up in the last uh, 10 years in particular, I think, as as games have gotten bigger um, because the total art volume you need gets more and more tremendous. Uh, but and then course, all of a sudden you don't- Yeah, that's just gone. And so being able <laughs> actually, to- you see this with programming houses too. I, I can't even, I can't even mm. count the number of unsolicited requests I'm getting from- from these companies to to shore up our ability to program in Unity, uh, you know, with, <laughs> yes, with, with with all their programmers. Yep, yeah. So it's definitely a thing that that you that uh, the industry has responded to by actually creating basically essentially departments that are their own businesses, right? So that instead of the whole you know you as an individual getting fired, you just work as a programmer inside of this entity that does games programming, and then you get contracts on a continuous basis, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so what we've been able to do then is during Tech Debt Burndown Rodeo Circus Month, um, Sam has been moving forward on all kinds of pre-production for Crashlands 2. And this has given us a really interesting angle on thinking about what this game is going to be because it has time to breathe. So, mm-hmm. so Sam's coming up with all these cool designs. And and sketching things and coming up with UIs and talking through game systems and stuff. Um, and then it's basically like maybe two or three times a week probably we get together and just talk through the current understanding of what Crash Ends 2 is going to be, mm-hmm. right? Um, and every single time we realize something. You know, yeah. We're like, oh, actually, no. This this seemed cool, but now that we see it like all specked out, actually, this isn't going to work. We need to pivot it this way or whatever. Previously, because we never have done pre-production before, uh, previously, that would have been a, a game system that was already programmed. Yes. Right? And then we would look at it and be like, oh, actually, this isn't working. And then we'd have to figure out how to rip that out of the game code. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm excited about, and I don't know how you feel about this, Sam, but it's, it seems like this is going to allow us to get a lot of the false starts out of the way yeah. early. Hundred um, percent. I'm, I'm and in a cheap way. Yeah, in a really cheap way. And I think part of the idea phase. Yeah, part of it is I think I think we never. One is we never gave ourselves the time, and I think part of it comes down to that the issue of the sort of feeding the beast problem, which is, you know, if you have a games programmer but nothing else for the games programmer to do, uh, in particular, or that is, that it seems like they should be doing, uh, it's very tempting to just have them start programming, programming exactly whatever the current design idea is. Um, but really the goal of, of something like pre-production, I guess, because I used to sort of, it's the same thing with sketching. Like I used to think it was dumb, right? Cause I was like, why would you waste all the time thinking about it? Uh, you know, not realizing <laughs> what it's doing, which is the whole goal is to, is, is to answer questions in the cheapest way possible. The goal is, is to be kind to your future. Exactly. Self. Which is done yeah. by, which is done by thinking about it, uh, done by simulating it, done by uh, sketching stuff. And so. Yeah, it's it's been weird, I think, because it just so happens that because of my role on the in, in the team, where it's this combination of the art design and the marketing side, uh, 
it makes it super like a super good sort of a, a crossover point for doing a lot of this pre-production work because you know whether like i did this little business assumptions report uh you know brought that in did a review of all of our previous reviews for the game to find like make sure we know exactly what's what to keep what to throw out um and then you know do some sketches about uis whatever else and so uh i'm i'm really excited i think it's going to allow us to to hit the ground running in a in a really important way where we actually we're not just building things to see what is even happening but actually have an idea of what's happening and then build to suit build that yeah, yeah. and um and the I think the time thing is interesting because I remember this was probably five years ago. I think it was right before Crashlands came out. Uh, I had shown the game to my my mentor, and he was like, "This is really good. this is really good. It's really cool." And then he stopped and he was like, "What do you think would happen if you took your time making something?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, what do you mean?" <laughs> and I think literally up until it started happening at Levelhead, actually. Uh, so Levelhead was you know the first time I started slowing down, actually enjoying the art process and stuff. But um, but yeah, I was I was confused because I was like, I didn't, I don't, you don't get to take time. Like, who has? Yeah, come on, who has? It's all about luxury? speed. It's to, all about just just deciding that you're going to use a a single bite to store something, and then whatever happens after that, you just do it, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Not not realizing, of course, that that what he was more or less saying was that yeah, you're you're not necessarily actually saving time by thrashing about uh, so quickly. And so well, if, and we've talked about this in the past. I mean, this was part of my uh, design by chaos GDC talk. We, we talked about some of these things in the past of, of almost every system in Crashlands went through three full rebuilds, mm-hmm. you know, because it just wasn't working uh, in the context of the game and we just had to, had to rip it out. So yeah, yeah so this is going to be a huge time saver. Um, very excited about it. And it's, it's also, it's just given us that nice, uh, because we we have so much tech debt to dig out of, then we just have a forced amount of time. Mm-hmm. We're like, we just we just have to let Crashlands two designs sort of percolate, and that's just what's going to happen now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not going to say anything about what we're thinking yet, because of course it's still evolving. But uh, there's some real cool shit in there. Oh, I'm stoked. They're real cool. good. All right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest upvoted question comes from Quantum Anomaly. The soundtrack to Levelhead is one of my favorite things to listen to. Fat Bard has outdone themselves. Any chance we can get a behind the soundtrack interview with the marvelous Bards sometime? I would love to hear their thoughts on what it's like to collaborate with the Bscotch crew. And how the soundtrack came to be, especially the the last remix track. Much love to everyone involved with Levelhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Well, they're, they're they actually did a, did. They yeah, did they a, did a live hangout, didn't they? Like last week. Yeah, yeah that's, last, that's true. They did. <laughs> it was a while ago. So, so it's possible that this question was asked before that, or it was after, and you missed it. But either way, <laughs> either way, it has happened. Um, but also, I know, I know. Uh, so, so Patrick, I think, is in. Discord, so he's like he's around. Um, so Patrick being one half of Fat Bard, um, but uh, Pat Bard, Pat Bard, but I mean they're around and they're on Twitter. It's like if if it's a thing that you want, um, I'm sure you could make that happen. Mm-hmm. Just just start pinging them and just say, hey, I need you to, I need give it. me all of your time. Just make this happen. Yeah, and honestly, I think we would we would be the wrong people to interview them about because we know jack, like, jack shit about any of it. That's why we pay them, you know, but like whenever, whenever we go see 
there, there are times where like we go do recordings for voiceovers for trailers and stuff like that. And man, seeing Patrick work the software of, I don't even know what it's called, but the software, you know, the that software. he uses his, to, Yeah, his like 15 year old software running on XP, at least the last time I saw yeah. it. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, man, he just, he just slices and dices that thing. It's just like boom, boom, boom. And instantly he's re like recreated some sound or like fused two uh, halves of sentences together to make a perfectly fine sound. Yeah, I don't get that. Hybrid. That's the part where I'm always yeah. like, hey, what? Cause he's, yeah, it's magic. Yeah. I just don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's very cool seeing an expert at work. However, I have no idea how he's doing or what he's doing or why he's doing. Okay. So we just had a, an audio train wreck, but I think we recovered the first parts of the episode. We're back on track. Uh, everything's back to normal. Don't worry about it. So, everything's fine. My, my computer just suddenly stopped working and then suddenly turned itself off. But 2020, fortunately, baby. fortunately, Audacity, uh, which I didn't even know, takes uh, takes little snapshots as you're going. So it only lost uh, like the last five minutes or something. Yeah, Those were obviously the best, the best part, five minutes of the whole episode. So I guess. Lost to time. Yeah, lost to time. Oh, they were so good. Yeah. They were such a good five minutes. Uh, but anyways, I think the moral of the story for this question was Fat Bard are tremendous experts in what they do. We have no idea what happens mm-hmm. when they're working on things. Uh, and so if you want to know some things, you can just ask them in Discord and they'll help you out. All right. Next question comes from Happy Yearbly, who says, what advice would you have for people wanting to transition into full-time Indie dev. Mm. Uh, first advice, don't. But second yep. advice, let's assume you're going to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're going to. And figure that out. Uh, are you doing this by yourself? Are you doing this yep. with a team? We don't yep. know, so which one of those is better? Um, well, I think they both have pros and cons. Yep. I would say, I, I would say there's one thing that we did early on, which I think still applies. Um which is know how long it's going to take you to make a thing. Yes. And make sure you have enough money <laughs> yes. to make two things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because your first thing, actually, there's a good chance that any of the things that you make will will not yep. pan out. Um, but especially the first one. You <laughs> Definitely know, the, the first, first one. Yeah. So, well, and we have mentioned before that the only reason that we're still making games and are still running a business is because of a handful over, over the past, you know, seven years. There have been a handful of lucky breaks that we've had, which, without which uh, there's a really good chance we still wouldn't be we wouldn't be running anymore. So, uh, so you can't. Yeah. You. It's not just a matter of. And the way that we treat it though was the right way. At the very beginning, uh, when Samus started, they said. Uh, we because they'd made enough games at that point, or that that they knew we could make two games in six months, and we have six months of financial runway, right? So we have two chances to figure out how to do this and how to how to make it viable. And uh, and if if we can't do it, then we we would have given it our best shot. That's that. We just basically burned six months of our, our of our you know sixty year life runway, mm-hmm. assuming that we all have heart attacks and die from you know our childhood of eating oh, totally. too much bacon my, or whatever. Um, that's my plan. <laughs> so, it was a good childhood. Uh, it was a good childhood. Lots, <laughs> lots of bacon, lots of fireworks. Um, Iowa, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? Yep. Um, I was even going with that. 
the the, the fact that basically you need to get your six months runway or get oh, yeah, your right. runway. Got to the bacon. So you need that. You need that six months of runway. <laughs> the childhood uh, just but, crawled back. But the but the idea is that that you go into it knowing, like full well knowing, that the chances of you coming out on the other side of six months with a launched game that is financially successful, allowing you to continue, is very very low. Almost nobody manages to do that. Almost yeah. no, and that's that's independent of having a good a good game too, because it's just very hard to sell it. I mean, game. this is this is the same as if you said if you said uh, I'm gonna go, put, I'm gonna become a full time independent author. It's any job right? career or change. starting Probably. a business. It's just starting, starting a business. Yeah. It's all yeah. the same. Yeah. Yep. So yep. I think there's it's, there's one uh, really it's risky. Yeah, there's one really good book uh, that I've been actually. Uh, I think I read I read a bit of through. I think Seth actually recommended it to me, um, but it's called Indie Game from Dream to Delivery. I think. And it's by mm-hmm. I can't remember the two authors, uh, but one of them's done like a billion things, and then and then I think Rami's involved in some way. Yeah. yeah, and so in that book, so it's one of those rare books that, uh, like, I as far as getting started, and like if you're trying to answer this question of like how, like you know how would you talk about getting started? Um, honestly, like that book because what it does is it it asks it makes you answer a bunch of questions. Like every chapter is actually just starts with essentially you answering a ton of questions, which again, as we talked about with pre production stuff, it's like. Answer a bunch of these questions early so that you don't get surprised midstream. Um, and that that book does a really thorough job from the – I think I've read about uh, half or three-quarters of it by now. I just started it uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, it does a really good job of breaking down every single aspect and then making you answer questions specifically about each aspect and then providing advice after the fact, right? So like the whole the whole idea is to have you answer the question first – and then you read sort of the advice pages about like what to do. And so you can kind of adjust, adjust. The plan. And reevaluate. Yeah. So I would recommend looking at something like that, to be honest, um, because we've, we've talked about it. And, yeah, good. and check out um, the personal MBA. Yes. Because Phenomenal. if you are a full-time indie developer, then you are, you're running a business. And if you aren't interested or know anything about business, then you're, you're going to have a, a bad time. You know, if you go to, um, like the game dev uh, subreddit or various game developer communities, you, you get all of these these people coming in talking about how they they feel bad and weird about charging money for the thing that they've made, right? Um, and and this happens with artists mm-hmm. and authors and whatever is is moving your frame of reference from it being like this, you know, you just like putting your soul out there and and uh, hopefully the universe just provides. Right? So maybe that's the um, one piece of advice that we should just – that we can very squarely give without having to dedicate like a, a 10-year seminar right on the, on the topic, which mm-hmm. is to under- – yeah. which is basically the piece of advice being understand and just internalize that what you're doing is starting a business. Yes. Um, that business is making and selling games. And – and treat that treat that as now the project you're embarking on. The project you're embarking on is not making a game. That is not it at all. The project you're embarking on is creating a business that makes games to sell to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you take take it with that approach, then now you can actually go start uh, finding the resources that you need, like the ones that that Sam has already mentioned, to to tackle that problem because now you're solving the right problem. The right problem is how do you successfully run a game business in the current environment that we're all living in. Um, and with the tools that you and tools and resources that you have available to you um, right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. I think it's a good spot. Uh, all right. Next question comes from Retrofile TV. The, the one, the one, the one the and only. Runner. Retrofile says, it has recently come to light 
there's an extremely pressing matter in the Levelhead community mm. around whether or not the Blopfush is truly good or evil mm. in their intent. <laughs> in intent? It seems everyone... It seems everyone has chosen a side in this ongoing debate. Where do you stand and why? I want to talk about hard and soft edges. We should right also here. quickly talk about what a blopfush is for anyone yes. who has not played level. Those uninitiated blopfush is a flying fish sort of a creature that just – Flying fush. Flying fush that just sort of – just flies around. It just moves back and forth. It's not aggressive at all. It's just chilling. In fact, it has no AI. It doesn't attack you. It only moves if you put it on a path, mm-hmm. and you know that's that. Yeah. And uh, and the, the whole sort of bit in the Bureau of Shipping is that they were originally designed to do these sort of uh, you know, flying airdrop missions, but uh, eventually became corrupted because of a hack and got too attached to their their messengers who they're partnered with, and so they ended up being rebranded as a a companion robot, like a dog, um, except it's a weird hair dryer fish creature uh, that flies in here. So. That's kind of the backstory as far as the Bureau is concerned, right? Now, here's the here's how I feel about this. This question of are they good, are they maniacally evil, and somehow secretly behind every bad oh. thing that's ever happened in the, uh, you know, Butterscotch universe. Uh, mm-hmm. I like having unresolved pieces. So I do not – I'm not going to answer this question either way because <laughs> uh, – it's showing up. So the fact that it, that we ended up making that presentation about them actually being this companion robot was actually because we saw that for some reason, uh, whether it's because they're so simple or whatever else, the community, as they're playing Levelhead, developed basically this joke about how everyone loves the Blopfush and Blopfush is just like a really nice person because Seth had put in a tooltip in, right? That was like, the Blopfush is just a real nice all-around person. Just a great person all around. <laughs> so, which is strange when you think about it because they're not a person, right? So it's, yep. it's confusing, number one. Uh, two, they were hacked. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what happened during that hack? Uh, but the general point is that we we were able to, like, riff off of the community's take on that and general conspiracy theory to do something that actually integrated in the game. And what I meant with with talking about hard and soft edges is there's this idea in, in artwork, uh, in paint in particular, which is you need a balance of edges that are clearly defined – and edges are a little fuzzy in your picture. And actually, uh, you don't want every single edge defined because what ends up happening is that you know people who are involved with it can't – they don't get to fill in the gaps. Uh, there's no gaps at all, right? And so a picture that has every single line perfectly clear, like vector art, for example, in my case, um, has actually less – generally has a little bit less interest to it because of the fact that there's no uh, – there's no ambiguity. This is also if you watch uh, a terrible movie, which just as a random example, Independence Day 2, mm-hmm. or I guess Resurgence or whatever it's called, uh, where the main form of explaining the world to you is by just telling you just everything yep. about the world that you're in, right? So you just go from one monologue to another about what the world is so that you don't get the chance to discover for yourself or to try to figure out but never be sure, right, Mm -hmm. why things are the way that they are, Uh, which – and as anybody who's who's like an avid sci-fi person will also know, um, the more you try to explain like a a fun sci-fi thing, the more bullshitty and fake it becomes and harder to believe it is. Because you can't expl- you just can't explain away magic, right? And and you can't ex- you can't do it. And so, if you want a thing to be fun and interesting and compelling, uh, you want to find that balance 
of of having just mm-hmm. enough information that somebody is interested and wants to know more and thinks there's like something interesting underneath, right? And then never, ever fill in the gap. Like we may know, we even may know what the gap is to like how we want want it to be filled. But if we do that, we've actually ruined that that part mm-hmm. of the thing. So a retrofile, this is a long way of saying I'm not saying I'm not telling you. I'm not saying a word about it. The blobfish. Long way of saying that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Quick question. Next. All right. Last question of the episode comes from XX Hybrid XX. This is clearly an (laughs) Xbox gamer tag. Mm -hmm. Who says quite simply? uh, Who says my girlfriend just broke up with me? Ah, it's terrible. What? What in the fuck do I do now? (laughs) (laughs) I want to say I love the sincerity. Do you know? What in the fuck do I do now? I think. And also, also I like how we actually don't know when this question was asked because – They have been months ago. They probably already figured out what to do. They probably already figured it out. So let's assume that this probably was a while ago. So what do they do now? A while after the Now. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I think I think immediately after the breakup, don't do, don't do anything. Just chill out. You know? fine. Well, I think yeah. actually Just take, the, take the a fact of, of asking this question means that the thing you need to be doing is focusing on yourself. Mm-hmm. That's you right. Yeah. It's now like there. There's I, we don't know anything. We don't know any of the specifics about what happened or why things happened. Cetera, Good generic right? so advice. We can't, we can't get into that. But the generic advice is if you find yourself asking, finding yourself like in a vacuum, being like, I feel I don't know what to do. Right. That means that your 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 what to do is defined by something external. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe that external thing's gone now. You gotta and you gotta bring that inside mm-hmm. so that you know what to do. You know, but it's gonna require uh, I don't know going on a a spiritual journey. Yes, of smoking yes. some. Peyote? Do you smoke peyote? I don't know. You just peyote. Like, you do, you I do I some of from it. Like really kind of sage but generic advice to doing peyote. Just do get. get well, the thing out. is, there's, there's there's no way like we can't just tell you how to like how to explore yourself and like and like get get into your own head and like and mm-hmm. you know I don't like there's not a there's not a step to do that. But what you can do is go smoke some peyote if that's a smokable thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously you shouldn't because that's pre- illegal. Probably don't, don't be doing no. any of this. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what it is. I think it's a cactus. Not good advice. Just cactus, maybe. Yeah, don't don't follow that <laughs> it's advice. A cactus. I don't know. But that is advice that you that is you is could practical. <laughs> it is a thing that one can do, right? Which mm-hmm. is which was sort of my goal there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we yeah, got I that. Think, we got the generic advice. We no, got the specific I, action. I think. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think um, you just just. Move on and just work on your own thing for a while. Yep. It's okay. It's totally fine. There's going to be enjoy life. Uh, f- f- think about your the things that you've always wanted to do. Maybe you didn't have time. You got a little bit more time now. Do those mm-hmm. things for a while. It's okay. Uh, and and you know maybe uh, maybe another person will come along while you're in the middle of something else. Yep, that's the thing. But I think I think importantly, you got to be in the middle of something else uh, before somebody can come along in the middle of that's something true. else. That's true. You know, that's another so, good sage. <laughs> yeah. So don't just do nothing. Just move on, do some stuff, and there'll be people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe one of them, maybe one of them will be your new girlfriend at some there point. There you go. It's hard to say, you know. Mm-hmm. Then maybe not. So, Remember, also, also maybe everyone's just say. people. You know? <laughs> so don't don't treat everybody as a as a future girlfriend. They're just well. That's just that's actually the know? that's actually the uh, I think that's. Something I, I want to say that's serious 
which is um, to go on with your life, not in the aim of trying to find the next mm. girlfriend. That's that's not your goal. Your goal should just be to go on and enjoy life, right? Go on and enjoy, do things that you want to do, learn things that you want to learn, participate in the Become world. Become more amazing, you know? Yeah. And uh, good things just come out of that. And that, and that's just how that works. Mm-hmm. So I will say I, I met my now wife after my previous breakup when I was like, I'm going to do a hip hop dance like routine in school in front of a th- couple thousand people. I'm going to do that. Why? Because why, why the hell, hell not? not? I don't have a girlfriend. I got, <laughs> I got time. Um, well, no, actually it was, it was this sort of thing where I was like, I don't want to uh, – like, you know, going back to what you're saying, Seth, where it's like I just, I just didn't want to date anyone. And I was like, I'm just going to go. Have fun and like do some weird stuff, and then voila, you know things happen. So turn, turn, it turns out you meet like my people who are also just there to have fun doing weird stuff. Yep. Yeah, and then you make friends. And yeah, so uh, yeah, just do that. So all right, well that's all the time we have for this week. Sorry about the audio blip, but uh, you know at least we recovered the episode, so we're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators to keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net. We have links to everything you could ever want out of life. Yep. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next Bye. week. Goodbye.